0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Back at it. Um, welcome back, Maddie. This has Thank been you. a day. This has been a fun one. Um, yeah. We are welcomed here by Steve Wright um long time friend uh and i was saying backstage um if you'll backstage. grant me backstage
0: yeah it's up to you i just like you to pick a lane backstage green room back green, room just so yeah. i know
1: green for room continuity purposes holding, now that we're putting this out on youtube green room yeah. work too um okay. steve uh was the conduit for probably most of my adult friendships in yeah. one way or another um from the omega mu chapter phi gamma delta and we'll get into his question when i was pledging um everything's pg-13 um related maybe Maybe. um, mostly and uh around um aquaculture but steve is is the owner of chatham shellfish company um runs the ship there and we thought it would be really interesting. He's been a, a fan, uh, cheering us on as we've been going through one night in Pinehurst, and we really appreciate it. Steve, welcome on the show, bud. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Great to catch awesome. up. yeah it'll be. Uh, I was saying to
0: Gibby in the green room that I realized I don't really know a whole lot about oysters, and I'm excited to learn, which is kind of in the majority of the reason we do this to begin with, right? Gibby, we've decided at this point, like, we're, it's for our own curiosity, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about what goes into it. Obviously I've been spending a lot of time in my life on Cape Cod and like that, that whole vibe down there. So it'll be really sure. cool to kind of hear what goes into this. So I'm excited. Man. Yeah. Thanks for coming.
2: It's a part of of Cape Cod that a lot of people that visit Cape Cod don't really get to see.
0: Yep.
2: And, and, you know, when they order oysters, they don't really know the story, you know, behind where that oyster came from. Yeah. You know, they just know that they've learned to enjoy them over the last 15 years yeah and and oysters have made such a huge resurgence in popularity among you know this younger demographic and and they can be found on almost any menu in new england these days
0: yeah i was going to ask you that is the majority uh, are the majority of oysters produced in off the coast of new england up and down is that essentially where they're all coming from or are there other areas now um
2: New England has a really strong
0: oyster cultivation industry.
2: From mm-hmm. real, really extends down to the Carolinas, all the way up to the Maritimes of Canada now. Yeah, and all these farms have branded, and and they've got their unique markets that they distribute to, a lot of which uh, you know goes into nationwide shipping now. But there's also a Gulf Coast industry, and the West Coast industry as well.
1: Ooh, very cool. Yeah. Wild too. I was. I went out to Columbus for work, Columbus, Ohio. um And you know, they went to. They wanted to go to an oyster bar. You know, in Ohio. In yeah. Ohio,
0: yeah. In landlocked Ohio. And they're like Apo- apologies <laughs> to Cleveland once
1: again. <laughs> this is going to be fantastic. And the the person that invited me out was saying like, no, the reason why is we get our oysters in on the 615 flight from Logan into Columbus. They're fresh. They're from that day and they're arriving, you know, and they were fantastic. I had them. I didn't, you know, think twice. It's probably not dissimilar to like what you're eating at a coastal town, maybe not on the Cape or, you know, on the, the shores of Southern Maine or, or, you know, Booth Bay Bar Harbor, but like, probably pretty much everywhere else it's it's, you know that readily available now um yeah. steve steve i was i was wondering like when you so when you were in college you were into aquaculture that was your major and it was is this something that like was at this extent in terms of you know how popular shellfish seafood farming was it, it seems like it's grown up um as you've as you've expanded and I, i'm not saying you're solely responsible but i'm not saying that you're not either
2: <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not solely responsible the really when when i got the opportunity to work on this oyster farm uh, after being uh, my sophomore year up at umaine i jumped at the chance i knew it would be tough um to to pull it off between housing and, and whatnot, but I was able to find a place to rent for the summer and jump on the farm and really kind of understand and right off the bat that, you know, this this wasn't a, a really a job for academics or a job for for somebody with, you know, without a really strong work ethic. Yeah, there's a direct correlation of how much you're you're willing to put in as to what you're going to be able to get out and um, just was able to, to see that and enjoy it. Um, And it's in its infancy then, but at the same time, you know, oysters were just oysters then. you didn't have all the different branding of oysters that now exist um even even on cape cod or massachusetts so that demand you know that whole branding thing rose after i don't know probably five or ten years after i first got started in
0: it and have, has that caused you was this already in flight or has that caused you all to sort of and this may be completely off base but like for like expand the size of the farm so to speak, like. What do you? What do you? Because I don't know. Again, I don't know how to grow them. Like, do do you get to go branch out, or is it just sort of like you got a certain amount of room, and that's what you're using? So, so it's been sort of a gold rush, you could say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And and the thing about oyster farms is that they're limiting in size, especially on the East Coast here, Um, in Massachusetts. You tend to have acreage that varies from you know guys that have half acre grants, um, up to guys who have some of the older grants in the state you know, can have upwards of 20 or 30 acres of uh, under cultivation. So ours is kind of, you know, in the middle, kind of a sweet spot, if you will, um, between three and four acres. And we just try to manage as many oysters, animals in that acreage as we possibly can handle physically. And then, you know, from a, a standpoint of the environmental sustainability of being able to cultivate that many animals in that given space. So, you know, you can create an instance where you've, you've got too many oysters on your site. Mm. Okay. Um, so you're kind of walking a line. You're, you're trying to grow as many as you can, but you also have to be very aware about how many animals you have on the site and in the gear Um, taking up space so that they grow healthy and they achieve the desirable characteristics that people want to see on the half show.
0: Okay. Interesting. And what's that, what's a general, I mean, so I guess first question, how many different varieties do you all grow and what is the general cycle? How, How long, you know, beginning to end in terms of like getting an oyster ready to be shipped out to market? So
2: the varieties that, that we grow is is one species along the eastern seaboard that's chrysostria virginica it's the uh
1: (laughs) taking me back i'm sorry sorry, steve like that maybe just lit up let's hear is there a backstory yes so um part of the process of pledging uh the phi gamma delta fraternity was you had to know who the brothers that were living in the house were you had to know where they were from what their major yeah. was and you would recite that to them after you memorized it you'd write it down okay. and then they would give you a question you know some people would give you questions like count the number of diamonds that are on valentine hall steve would give you a um a fish species or <laughs> <laughs> and you needed to know its latin root you needed the genus, the order, the phylum, yeah. the cardata. You wanted all of it, yeah. <laughs> and so you had to memorize that and pronounce it correctly too, in order to get his signature. Um, love or, it. You know, older brother or whatever it was. So, yeah, those, those were good times. So you, you brought me back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so this species of oyster is an indigenous to the eastern seaboard, okay. from Canada all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And it varies regionally a little bit, but generally all the farms on the East coast will buy their seed oysters from a few hatcheries and we're buying oysters anywhere from a millimeter and a half to two millimeters. Oh, wow. And so when we get these oysters, we buy, we buy a million at a time. And so a million wow. of oysters at that size, they look like a package of grain of sand. Yeah that will fit inside of your baseball hat.
0: Right. Crazy.
2: So you've got all these little animals that, you know, we we just dropped like $12,000 on a million oysters.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I equate it to this. It's, you know, when when I first realized this is like, all right, I'm going to spend, you know, $20,000 of all the money I have in the spring. And I'm going to, I'm going to hope that these oysters grow up um that i can sell them in a year and a half so it takes yep. about a year and a half to get that seed okay. to market okay and so you you're in the whole 20 grand you gotta ha- you have these oysters and you're hoping you can get you know maybe 50 percent of them to market it's like buying penny stocks
0: right yeah yeah yeah. but i guess you know once you establish a nice cadence you can yeah. wait that year and a half because you've already i would imagine the first that's right couple we have, of years we have more tough. in
2: the pipeline that's yeah. right yeah yeah. Yep. So we keep on keep on putting them in the pipeline. We'll manage okay. up to three different year classes of oysters on our site at any one time. Okay. So okay. every every spring in, in May and June we buy our seed at a millimeter and a half. We get that into the nursery gear. We have some techniques that utilize um, a floating up weller system and then floating bags as our nursery system. And then as the oysters grow, they get graduated into different types of gear that accommodate them as they grow up to larger
0: sizes. Very cool.
2: And it's important to keep the year classes separate from one another because they're going to be growing at different rates. Different rates. Some are going to come into harvestability at different times. So, you know, your animal husbandry comes into play and how well you can organize your site with these. Different groups of oysters.
0: So there's a lot of logistics at play there because you've got that limited. You know, you've got the three to five acres, but you got to make sure you're keeping them sort of cycled out. That's right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah,
2: I, I equated a lot to uh to working a Rubik's cube. So with a yeah. Rubik's cube, you, you you know, you're moving one one side to facilitate something on the other side. Yep. So a lot of times when we're when we're managing our our gear and our inventory, we'll have to think two or three steps ahead to to make sure that we have the gear and the space available for the next you know oyster that's going to occupy that same space and gear
1: gotcha that's yeah because you're backfilling the
2: heels of the the prior crop
0: that's cool i didn't yeah. know that i wouldn't have guessed if you gave me a trivia question how long does it take to grow an oyster to get it ready i don't think i would have arrived at a year and a half i would in my mind i would have thought about it i may have arrived at like a couple months or something because I just have no concept. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So like just that. just
2: for reference, behind me, you know, my my background yeah. picture here is is mm-hmm. the work barge that we operate off of. Yeah. And so back here behind my right shoulder, we have a couple of stacks of uh the mesh bags that we use to contain yeah. the oysters in. Yeah. And we, I can see we have two different sized meshes there. Uh, over my left shoulder, we have this piece of equipment that you can see has a screen on top of it. So those screens are interchangeable and and they, um, we can change the size of the screen based on the size of the oyster. Mm. So this machine behind me, we can, um, we can screen by size up to three different sizes. Generally we can screen anywhere, from 30,000 to a hundred thousand oysters a day or more depending wow. on the size of the oysters and you're filtering
0: what are you filtering out there? What are you screening out?
2: So the, all the oysters grow at varying rates even yeah. even among the same year class
1: oh, so, so you are dropping
2: we're, 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 we're high grading the faster growers gotcha. and then we're putting them into the gear that's going to accommodate that size oyster and then putting it back out onto the lease.
0: So it's a, it's and, more efficient no wasted time in between growth for all of them even if they're in the same year
2: yeah, a little bit and then you can you can weed out your slow growers and you know a lot a lot of this goes into thinning out their densities as well because as they grow you you know you put a a bunch of oysters the size of your fist into a bag and you come back two two months later and they're the size of a a, a cinder block. You know what I mean? Volumetrically, they just expand exponentially.
0: Yeah.
2: And all the while, you got to be shaking these bags that contain the oysters, because you know they're just growing like fingers. And you got to shake them up and chip off the edge to kind of round them out. Huh. So you can see we have some some gear again, right over my right shoulder, some wire cages that the bags will go into to get deployed back out onto the lease
0: sweet I saw some of that on the site the video of kind of flip, flipping those little like mini barges over so that the bags end up in the water as opposed to like floating on top I saw a little bit of that on the, on the youtube channel yeah that's cool. right
2: yep those are uh, floating cages very with, cool with pontoons so we can we can actually air dry the oysters to free them of fouling some of the biological fouling that will will get will grow on the gear and the oysters barnacles seaweeds, tunicates yep. anything that you would bottom paint your boat to eliminate from growing on your boat is kind of what we have to deal with put in a natural uh, capacity right so yeah
0: right? Right. we
2: can't we can't bottom paint our oysters and
1: <laughs> nobody <super> want those <laughs> i have a couple of questions steve about, yeah you know first about the actual like day-to-day, but I want to get into some of the, the business side of it too. Not necessarily like how many are you selling or, but yeah. I want to, you know, hear more about the distribution too, to restaurants and, um, and wholesale, et cetera. But on the like day-to-day, you know, what what does that entail in terms of farming them, pulling them, you know, who's doing it? What, what are the, the hours? It sounded like you know, from from your uh, starting point, like that, you just had to work really, really hard <laughs> um, and yeah. long hours. But I, I'm curious to know a little bit more, like what what that looks like. Yeah,
2: so a lot of our work is dependent on the tide. Okay, and what we're able to <clears throat> to do at various stages of the tide. We can work our site at all stages of the tide, high tide, low tide, but certain tasks are um, demanded be done at, at say low tide. That would be floating the flipping the cages and <coughs> the bags that we would do by foot in waders on the site or other other gear types that are out on the site that we're physically gonna you know handle in our boots. Um, otherwise we can, at high tide, go anywhere we want on the site with our barge or boat and, and get over a piece of gear and pull it up onto the deck and work on. Gotcha. Um, so, so some things are more dependent on tide. Some things I can do any phase of the tide and the hours will vary a lot of times dependent on the tide, but also in the summer based on how hot it's going to be on a given day okay we'll try to front load our work early in the morning yeah so that we can be done before the heat of the day really sets in and and we've got you know tens of thousands of oysters or hundreds of thousands of oysters sitting out of the water during you know noon to three or whatever
0: just getting cooked yeah
2: so that you know and that in turn is where a lot of the stress of the job comes in because we're dealing with animals and you've got to take care of them. It's not like you can just, you know, turn the lights off and go home. Um, (laughs) you know, you got to get these animals back in the water. You got to get them back in the gear at the right densities and, and whatnot.
1: uh, As you're, you know, as we're talking about this too, you know, I'm talking about oysters and I haven't looked at it, you know, um, I look at it as, okay, this is something I want to order six of at a (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. You know, a little cocktail sauce, some lemon, we can get into the, what, what your recommendations are in a bit, but I, I really, you know, I, I think it's interesting how you, you know, refer to them as animals, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, not humanizing, but, you know, really, you know, putting, uh, life into, into the, Um, into these animals too. So um, is that something you learned or that, you know, you've, as you've worked with them, you've gained an appreciation for over time?
2: A a little bit of both. Um, I I think the appreciation for them, you know, they, it kind of gets ingrained in you. It just becomes like a a part of your, your, your fabric, I guess that that's inherently what you're, what you're here to do um you know but at first you I, you know i didn't really know i had a sense you know based on you know studying at UMaine kind of prepared me for because we were taking care of animals in the lab
1: right and and yeah. seeing
2: that 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 life cycle and then applying that afterwards to you know an industry that uh you know that you're deriving your you're living from you know just raises the bar at, as to you know taking care of these things yeah so much that you'd sac- you sacrifice a lot more about you you know i've sacrificed more more stuff about me than i have you know for the sake of these oysters in a lot of cases you know
0: yeah. I mean, well, it's half of it, it's half your business. And then it's half sort of like the sustainability and the mindfulness, like you mentioned, like referring to them as this other than anything else makes them more real to Gibby's point. And it makes it sort of you have an obligation, right? To do this the right yeah. way and make sure that you're going about it. So I think that's cool. I think that's part that's it makes it a little bit more unique and special. Like I don't know any other um oyster farms. I'm not really super familiar with them. I don't know. I assume there's some sort of and maybe I am assuming this, there's some sort of um, not agreement, but almost like community where you all sort of try to do these things the right way. But like you said, there's a gold rush, which means there's people with larger farms, which means maybe they are skipping some steps, or maybe they're doing things a little bit differently. So I wonder, Mm -hmm. do you have a good sense of like, how is it with your competitors? Are you competitive? Or are you all sort of collaborating? Because there's enough room for everybody? Or what's the dynamic there with everybody else, especially up and down the coast near you and up towards like Maine?
2: Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of competition, and, and everybody's after efficiency on their farms. You know, we all want to be efficient in the way we handle our, our businesses and and achieve getting the oysters to market. Um, you know, the, the competition is good, I'd say. We're not in a period of where we have too many oysters being produced, although mm-hmm. there's been warning signs that there there are. And pre- previous falls, um, and this is indicative uh, of the fall on Cape Cod, because a lot of the farms are are what we call intertidal farms, meaning that they go completely dry at low tide. Like there's not a lick of water on them. They're completely exposed. So particularly in Cape Cod Bay, a lot of these farms that have massive inventories in the fall when all these oysters come into marketability kind of say, oh, shit. We uh, we need to get rid of these um, to put our farm to bed for the winter, right? Yeah. So there'll be a, there'll be a race to the bottom on price. The the wholesalers will take advantage of it. We might have to sit out on some sales because you know we maintain our price regardless. Yep. Well, these other cheaper oysters are are hitting the market, or some some areas that have wild oysters get opened up, and you know these harvesters are you know harvesting you know nickels nickels compared to what we're we're harvesting for so inevitably we we get the market back when all these farms kind of blow out of their inventory and these other areas get depleted but post-covid the demand has been so high yeah we haven't really seen that take hold yeah uh, particularly this year it's been it's been steady
0: and how long to your point there in the middle how long I'll just call it for lack of any other better term, like full maturity of one of the oysters. Can you let it sit before you got to get rid of it? Or is it sort of, so to speak, you got to eat it after a certain amount of time. Like, is there a, is there a balance there?
2: Yeah, there, there is a balance, but fortunately it's not like a fruit that will expire on the tree. Okay. You know, they'll grow larger and they'll, they can grow out of the half shell market. But primarily when we're talking about the the slow period in which you know we may not be able to sell as many oysters if we have inventory they're not going to achieve that in that amount of time gotcha. we'll we'll be able to gain that on the on the other end nice that's cool so we're not we're not really at risk of that per se covid was a little way. different because that that covid hit right at the onset of the growing season mm. and a lot of farms that didn't have their own distribution or ability to hit niche markets that were solely reliant on wholesale distribution, they suffered the most. They yeah. they couldn't get rid of the product. Yeah. We're fortunate. We have our own dealer's license. We can, we can deal directly to restaurants and the public. So that, that gives us an edge on a lot of other farms that don't have that facility.
1: Very nice. So Couple quick ones, Steve and then I've got an important question for you too. Um yeah. <laughs> but one is where like any restaurants that, that our friends in New England might know about that that carry your oysters that we can we can support the the trade here. <laughs>
2: oh, in New England?
1: Yeah, or Boston in area. Boston? That-
2: you know Boston's kind of tough because I don't ship directly to the restaurants there. Okay, I have I have a couple of wholesale dealers that, that do that.
1: To the pier, but
2: um, just to to name off, you know, a couple that I know about that that you could take a shot at. Um, let's see. I mean, I haven't been up there in a while, but uh, Row Thirty Four. Yep. Salty yep. girl.
1: Oh, that's yes. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Ah, uh, geez. I know there's a lot more that
1: That's okay. You gave like well, you gave some some uh yeah three hitters there, some headlines. Yeah. So and you're probably all over, I would
0: assume all over the Cape, right? From P all the just way so out. So many
2: restaurants in Boston that, that can yeah. have oysters, you know. It's yeah, it, you know, it's... it's hard it's hard to nail down a few that are gonna continue that have ours, you know, week in and week out. Yeah. Um, if you come down to the Cape, you know, I, I, deal directly to restaurants right here in Chatham and Harwich, Yep, that um, I'll be happy to send you to.
1: Well, you and you and Jen, your wife have been pretty involved in the restaurant industry in Chatham too. Is that something that you've seen grow or, you know, um, the, the knowledge in the area or, or the community? I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear about your involvement too on that side.
2: Yeah, the rest, it's fun being, you know, kind of have this, this window into the restaurant industry here um, yeah. and kind of learn how it operates over the last 20 years that I've been here. Um, because we're able to d- develop relationships with the chefs and the buyers, and you kind of cultivate these relationships over the years. So we're able to, when we do go out to eat, we, we kind of like, oh, we're going to go over and get pampered by this chef or something, you know, for a night (laughs) or whatever, which makes it a lot of, a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Like I sell you oysters all, all summer. And now I'm going to cash in a couple of chips, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: So that, you know, it's, it's fun to have that, that window in and to kind of see how they operate. Um, But also being involved also, we have a local brewery devil's purse brewery. Yeah. And they they've brewed an intertidal oyster stout with our oysters, probably over the last five or six years, anyway.
1: And that's so that's
2: really cool. it's a really it's a really good stout. It's very comparable to Guinness if you like Guinness. It's got a a, a little bit of minerality to it. Yeah. Uh, a little salinity. So the brine, that nectar, that sweet nectar the
0: from the sea. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so we we've held a couple of events with Devil's Purse with the with the oyster stout releases. We we've had a couple of events at Chatham Bars Inn. That's nice, and yeah, it's Chatham a fun Bars place to go and you know, shuck oysters and have some some stouts.
0: Yeah, Chatham Bars is that's I mean Chatham in and of itself is in fantastic spot, but Chatham Bars Inn is a really nice time. That's a that's a nice experience, kind of looking out over the over the ocean and just seeing yeah. nothing but
1: water. Yeah.
2: Very unique. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I have I have one question I got to hit on. Yeah. Um I'll tell the story first. I was a freshman writing for the main campus newspaper. And I was in the sports department. Um and we had one of our fraternity brothers who was playing pickup hockey. Um end up on the humane hockey team, uh, playing goalie, our own Steven, Wright Um, made the team and I got to write an article about like the Rudy Rudiger (laughs) humane hockey when he got on the, on the ice, I like called the coach and, you know, got a quick quote. Um, so with all that being said for your minute, it was more than a minute. You were on the ice for how long?
2: Uh, no, I'd say about a minute, maybe. I, I I can't
1: like 40. Was, hey, That's a
0: minute on yeah. the ice for a legitimate D1 hockey school. Like, yeah. Against Providence. In, in, yeah. yeah. It was a good, were there any shots on goal?
2: No, I wanted one so bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I was relieved there wasn't.
0: Who was on that team with you? Anybody that, that was anybody that played in the – oh, obviously a couple guys that probably played in the pros. Yeah, but who Nico was most...
2: Dimitrakos was yep. on that team, Mike Morrison. Yep. Matt Yates,
0: yeah,
2: um, Peter Metcalf, um, Derek, Derek Damon, I think, was on the team then. Um, yeah, just you know, really, really good group of guys I got to know then. And uh, you know, I I was way out of my element when I when I <laughs> skated on that ice at first, but you know, I was down for anything, man. Yeah. I was, was like, let's do this, you know? Yeah. It
1: Love was awesome that. to see too. And like, and you could tell, you know, you'd see some of these guys in the fraternity house that would come over and the respect that they had for you. That uh,
2: yeah,
1: you weren't a you weren't a scholarship goalie, right? Like you were you, nah. you did it and you worked hard and you know it, it kind of goes to your work ethic and, and why you've been successful in the mm-hmm. the um yep. translates. Yeah, yeah it, it, Tommy it,
2: Ryman was on that team too. He played he played pro a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know? So I had to set you up there. So you're on your way home. You're stopping by the Getty or wherever. Getty. You snack, Steve O. You're hungry. There was no food or buffet in the locker room. Uh no oysters to be seen anywhere. Um, what's your your snack of choice as you're stopping in that gas station?
2: At the night gas station? <laughs> anyone you want it matter, <laughs> <laughs> um you know what probably gonna go you know like like six months ago steve-o probably would have gone with like reese's peanut butter cups or something oh okay you know but i've cut i've cut that garbage out so <laughs> i'm probably gonna go you know eat some granola or something you know yeah or some
0: jerky yeah jerky see it's we always end up back jerky. Alex isn't gonna like it he's Alex gonna be upset he's that. not gonna like it he's on an island he's quite literally on jerky non-jerky yeah. island by himself
2: and and then just a straight black coffee okay regardless of what time of day it is
1: that's the last the least shocking thing that has happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what last last question for me um you can dress your you know oysters with whatever lemon you know yeah. different mm-hmm. uh you know vinaigrette or not vinaigrettes but like the vinegar and and you sushi. putting balsamics on your oysters Gibby? no no but um what what is your go-to if you're having you know three oysters uh as a starter yeah
0: just lemon Oh, so no no sauce of any kind? No. You want to taste the brine? You want to taste the, yeah. herb, the ocean a little bit?
2: Yeah. And when I talk about a, a, a little thing of lemon, I'm just talking about one, one, one drip.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Classic. You're a classic it, guy. You know,
2: you get a little bit of acid uh, in the salinity. It just balances it real nice. You still get the full bodied flavor of the oyster and the brine with a, just a little you know citric yeah uh, taste on top
0: i mean if you're eating them you want that you're eating them for that taste that's why people eat oysters i would assume yeah. right you think so why are you going to hide it with a bunch of things that makes sense to me right get get the experience yeah.
2: i mean i get i get people who want to put the sauce on you know that that's cool i mean some people like i've seen you know put On, like, a heap of horseradish, like this yeah. big, Whoa. you know. I'm like, you know, have an, o- an oyster with your horseradish,
0: yeah, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a lot. We have to ask BV what he puts on his, you know. What, I, I don't care what up? they
2: put on them, as long as they eat them,
0: yeah, buy yeah, them, you know, buy them and do whatever you want with
2: them, yeah, you know. <laughs> so- my my Steve partner, like whenever we used to sell oysters, he's like, send them to the sewer. You know what I mean? He's like just, <laughs> he doesn't care what what happens to him.
1: Oh, that's great. Get him out of here. Yeah. So um we got the holidays coming up. Um now are you guys shipping? Can I, oh, or, yeah. I go on your site? Can I get some oysters if I want yeah. to Christmas? And I don't want to put you on the spot. I know Christmas is coming fast. So I think t- until the 19th, I thought I saw you, on the you site. You have
2: time to order. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what. Right now, we're we're harvesting a, a special crop um, of our oysters that we save exclusively for this time of year. We call it the private stock. And we nice. what we what we basically do is when we've satiated our farm, all the gear that we have to accommodate the oysters, and then we have you know some of these slower growing oysters that you know they're not really setting the world on fire but we don't really want to tie them up in a bunch of gear or tie a bunch of gear up with them. We'll distribute them directly on the bottom. Kind of like the free range chicken, if you will. And they'll just, they'll sit there all season and get fat round big. And, uh, and then this time of year we'll go rake them up with these hand rakes. You can see, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be shipping a bunch of these out in the next couple of weeks.
0: Those must be tasty.
1: Those yeah. yeah. Okay, I like that. Ah, yeah. There's so much more to this. This has been awesome. I've this learned is a lot. Great. Um, this is fantastic. Everyone, um, holiday shipments. Uh make sure you get it in by the 19th yep. um, for, for your Christmas gifts and also to enjoy with, with family and friends. Um I I think there's nothing better than, I remember I was with Joey, Alex, and Bo, like a few of the guys, and uh, Steve-O sent off a, a, a shipment to us, and we had no clue what we were doing, shucking oysters. Um, I think we all had, like, cuts on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out.
2: An attempt we're to like, kill you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we were like, this is awesome, and uh, and had a blast with it. It's a, it's a great way to, you know – Share some memories over over you know a special you know food and animal too. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Stevo, this is this is incredible. Yeah, um, thank you very much for joining us. I I learned a heck of a lot more than I did, not more than nice. anything, it's it's great to catch up with friends and and yeah,
2: definitely. Thanks for having me on. And yeah. I'll just say if 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 you or any of your friends want to kind of get a front row seat to this, I do offer oyster farm tours. Cool groups um anywhere between six and 12 people and we we take uh we take my our oyster barges from our facility up to the farm show you all the apparatus that we use to grow oysters you actually get to harvest your own and then we'll shuck them for you
0: nice i love that
2: it's a really cool gig people really have enjoyed it a lot
1: I can see okay, a golf cool. trip uh, to the Cape. coming oh, up. Yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, we're due. We're due for one. We haven't
0: been in a few years, and I think we might need to pop out. We might yeah. pop out of Chatham. Yeah,
1: awesome. You know, they, Chatham
2: bars in—they have pretty good winter rates, and of course, tends to stay open. Yep. So if That's it's not not
1: a, not a bad know, idea, blowing a, blowing we're in. As long as you'll you'll uh, swing some clubs with us too. Um, but yeah well i don't know if you want to see that (laughs) you don't want to see me either But (laughs) we still go (laughs) thanks again steve thanks man of course thanks eve